Hello and welcome to this podcast from the BBC World Service. Please let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. Hi, I'm Hannah and I'm very excited to be hosting What in the World, a new daily podcast from the BBC World Service, where we try to help you make sense of the world around you, of the big things that are happening, the small things that are happening and everything in between. Just search for What in the World wherever you get your BBC podcasts and hit subscribe. Hello. The world around us is three-dimensional. The microphone I'm speaking into now, the chair I'm sitting on, this studio, my body, they all occupy 3D space and, of course, are made from matter that is three-dimensional. I mean, how could it be any different? Well, my guest today created the first ever man-made material that can be regarded as two-dimensional by isolating something called graphene. It consists of a single layer of carbon atoms tightly packed together in a lattice structure, a bit like the surface of a honeycomb. If this isn't remarkable enough already, graphene has many unusual and incredibly useful physical properties, like the different ways it can be made to conduct electricity. Andre Geim is Regis Professor and Royal Society Research Professor at Manchester University and has received many international awards and distinctions, including the Nobel Prize in Physics for his work on graphene. He's since discovered and researched many other two-dimensional graphene-like materials. Andre grew up in the Soviet Union, where he went to university and started his scientific journey, and later immigrated to Western Europe. Throughout his career, he's not focused on a single research subject, but has consistently pushed beyond his comfort zone, exploring novel ideas in different areas of physics. So, Andre Gein, welcome to the Life Scientific. Thank you. Pleasure. Now, your note there, I gave you your correct title because you were knighted in 2012, but I believe this wasn't the first knighthood that you were awarded. Yeah, in 2010, the Dutch government was much quicker. They immediately <laughs> knighted me with quite prestigious top knighthood award, which is possible in the Netherlands in 2010. Much more efficient system. <laughs> but you, by, by which you mean triggered by the award of your Nobel yeah, Prize. it was right, triggered right. by the award of the Nobel Prize, yeah. Ah. Well, there we go. So I'm not quite sure what you call a, a double, sir. Yeah, square, sir. <laughs> sir square. Sir square. <laughs> <laughs> sir squared, Andre Geim. Um, let's go back to the beginning. You spent your early childhood in the Russian city of Sochi on the Black Sea, which may be familiar to many listeners for hosting the 2014 Winter Olympics. Back then, in the late 50s and 60s, it was, of course, part of the Soviet Union. So what are your memories of your childhood there? It's all rosy for me, what was there. The first <laughs> days of my life, you know, it's a, a Mediterranean climate, very humid in summer, a little bit maybe drizzle and snowy in winter, but melts away quicker than in Britain. That's what I remember. Living with my granddad and grandma, it was brilliant time for me. I wish <laughs> I could turn the clock and go back to this time. It was time of innocence, I would say. <laughs> of course, when you reach school age, you then moved to the city of Nalchik to live with your parents who were, who were working there. I mean, that's a day's travel from Sochi, I believe. You've got to go around the mountains, and they're very yeah, high mountains. Yeah. <laughs> By a train around the mountain, yeah. Did yes. you still get to see your grandmother? 
from time to time? Uh, yeah, uh, I went every summer. I went back to Sochi, and every winter when it got cold, my grandma came to see me to live with us in Nalchik. But it was kind of... I hated it, actually, <laughs> going from seaside to the mountainside. It was completely different. It's probably the first blow the life has given me uh, <laughs> when my parents moved me away to their house from my grandma's house. When did your interest in science begin? Were you naturally good at, at science and maths? You know, when you go to school, you try different subjects. You try arts, you try literature, you try exact scientists, and immediately the teachers and yourself, we pick up what we're good at. Apparently, I was much better in exact sciences than in, say, art or music, but I was good in, in math, in physics, and in all exact sciences, mm. so I tried to excel further in this one. Well, after you finished school, Andre, uh, with remarkably high grades, I, sh I should add, you applied to the prestigious Moscow Engineering Physics Institute. You tried to get in twice, but were rejected on both occasions. What, what happened? It was the second blow trying to realize my place in the Soviet Union system. Essentially, in your Soviet passport, there was a line which is called the fifth paragraph. And this line tells you your ethnicity, not only your nationality, which was apparently Soviet at that time, but your ethnicity. And my fifth paragraph was German and German, Jews, or anyone else with some strange Western-sounding nationality was considered to be a suspect who is not kind of politically reliable person, unlike proper Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian, or whatever. And there was an informal system, which I had no idea before I entered, try to enter into this university in which they try to screen out all those people with wrong ethnicity. Essentially, quote-unquote, firing squad, where they give you such answers which even examiners do not know how to solve those problems. So you're so guaranteed to fail. You're guaranteed to <laughs> fail. But of course, in the end, you did manage to get into another uh, distinguished university, the similar-sounding Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology, or PhysTech, as it's uh, commonly uh, referred to. What was the application and, and, and interview process like there compared to the first one you tried? Actually, it was my first choice only after failing twice to enter this second choice of mine university, I decided, hell with that, let me try. And I went into, submitted my documents, went through examination, and it was so easy. I thought, that university was fair, they do not right. care about ethnicity, it's so brilliant, and so on, and it took me up to the Nobel Prize to realize that it was all the same Soviet system. I wrote my Nobel memoirs, which is obligatory to write, and it was the description how brilliant this Fistek is. And
Wenn Sie diesen Podcast hören, wissen Sie bereits, wie wichtig es ist, Fragen zu stellen. Bei Aramco helfen uns unsere Fragen, eine bessere Zukunft zu gestalten. Wie können wir die Kraftstoffe von morgen zur Verfügung stellen? Wie können wir die Ressourcen von heute zum Treibstoff für unsere gemeinsame Zukunft machen? Wie können wir eine Welt mit Energie versorgen, die sich keinen Ausfall leisten kann? Wie können wir Neugier säen und so Ideenreichtum ernten? Mehr zu Innovationen, die uns voranbringen? Aramco.com slash das Wie treibt uns an. Oh. <laughs>